1: world-renowned cellist, as well as Grammy-nominated artist, and today we'll be talking a lot about Robo Guo, her artificial intelligence sample libraries, as well as how she has really integrated her work in life to become an entrepreneur and social media maven, so don't go away. In this week's tech news, a very big headline is how the Pentagon canceled a $10 billion Jedi Cloud contract with Microsoft. They had awarded it earlier last year. They had awarded it in 2019 to Microsoft, and now they're going to open it back up for bids. And it's going to be called the Joint Warfighter Cloud Capability RFP. And it's expected that now Microsoft and AWS or Amazon Web Services, will be splitting that deal. Just goes to show how lucrative the cloud business has been, how the U.S. government is embracing cloud services. Ford's Mustang Mach-E won Car and Driver's 2021 Electric Vehicle of the Year Award, gave it a great review, and also tanked Tesla. Trump is personally suing Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, and Sundar Pichai on top of their companies, Facebook, Twitter, and Google for what he believes the social media censorship of conservatives. It'll be interesting to see where that case goes. Beijing has actually stopped allowing Chinese companies to list on the New York Stock Exchange. That is going to be a very big deal as Didi, the Chinese version of Uber, had just listed and how ByteDance, the owners of TikTok, were planning the list as well as 33 other companies was yet to be seen how China's decision to not let Chinese companies list on New York Stock Exchange affect other IPOs for China. And that is the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm very pleased and excited to have my good friend, Tina Guo. She is a Grammy-nominated artist. She is currently working on the movies or just completed Dune, Top Gun, the 25th anniversary release of the video game Tomb Raider. And doesn't need further explanation, but Tina actually worked on the soundtrack for Wonder Woman. And if you've not seen that or heard that, then where have you been? And uh, just amazing cellist, electric cellist, and has really pioneered how to integrate social media and technology into our art. So Tina, it's so great to have you here.
2: Thank you, Keith, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So Tina, I think that you tell your story best. How does one become an, not just an artist, but actually become an entrepreneur with your art? I mean, you seem to have done a really great job integrating all these aspects of first being an artist and then figuring out how to use technology and how to figure out how to use social which we'll talk about later in the show what is your origin story
2: oh my gosh well um without going off on too long of a tirade slash monologue um i think overall you know uh, nowadays i think anybody no matter what field you're in uh, it's pretty obvious that you do have to be plugged into the mothership in some uh some way or the other um and so as far as building my career as a self-managed artist uh and then having some offshoots of different you know businesses built out from my i guess my base which would be a classical cellist um and that is a very old art form very old uh you know Type of career, thousands of years old, Uh, and and again in this modern age, I I think it's one thing to be an artist or a musician and to do that, you know, as a passion. Um, But when you talk about the music business, and I always accentuate the fact that the word business is longer than the word music. So if you actually want to create a fiscally viable um, career from any type of art form, uh, including music, you have to really treat it as. You know, like any entrepreneur, really treat it as a business and um, figure out how to make your product um, stand out, how to make sure the quality of the product is actually you know, different or, or, or good or dependable uh, because no matter how much effort you put into marketing, so talking about social media marketing and having nice photos and flashy videos, if in the end your base product, um, the quality isn't there, then it'll be something that has no longevity. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like there's so many different facets uh, in order to be able to answer this question thoroughly. Uh, but overall, I think the overarching idea is that you have to um self-educate and be self-motivated to constantly uh grow and to change uh because things that are stagnant you know obviously are not very interesting uh to follow in the long term um and for me i i think like i'm half a very passionate artist musician and the other half i'm kind of a robot so (laughs) i do i really enjoy um the game of uh you know, building my net worth and I guess doing that through music because that was really my only skill that I had to start with. Um, and yeah, it's all been it's all been really, really fun. and I think good business is just as masterful of an art form as being a musician. You know it's all it's all art when you when it is broken down.
1: No, I think that is a great intro. And as I've gotten to know uh, entertainers and artists, uh, what's struck out at me, in particular with you is that you've really have at this stage in your career figured out how to integrate all these aspects of it. So there's that common thought that artists have to choose while they're living versus when they've passed on, but um, they have to choose between their arts, which they're passionate about or their work. And it's an either or, and you seem to have done a great job making it an and. And I think that uh, just going back to where you first began, um, you pioneered this whole concept of making your cello sound like a heavy metal instrument
2: well, well i don't I can't take full <laughs> uh, full credit for that uh you know prior to myself so when i was in i think i was in middle school when apocalyptica so the the original actually there might have been someone even before that but anyway one of the the most well-known uh cello metal acts or maybe the only ones um so they released an album called apocalyptica plays metallica um, and they do still play on acoustic cellos but they use effects and whatnot so they definitely you know are still i still have an incredible career and did it before i did as well but um i think i was very lucky because a lot of you know a lot of things in life including business love all it's all about timing so i yes. was lucky that there was, there still isn't, um, there aren't that many people trying to play, you know, electric cello. Um, So I think it's very easy um, to have a monopoly on the market, you know, if you put in an effort, because there's just not much competition in that area. So I don't mean, I'm not trying to like downplay anything, but uh, I think that also had a lot to do with it. It, it, Just the fact that it's kind of a new, like you mentioned, it's a a new uh, path uh, that hasn't, you know, it doesn't have a lot of competition. So.
1: But I think that's a good point. As we talk a lot about star- startups and technology, we have these things called value scenes. And so they're niches and that's how you differentiate because ideas in themselves are not often new. It's the implementation execution of that. So um, you found a value scene in a skill that you already had and you're able to, that's why I, th- I feel like you've been able to pioneer in a not so crowded space yet. Now, who knows 10 years, 20 years from now, but you seem to still have that like market segment pretty locked up.
2: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying my best to to keep going to keep doing things.
1: <laughs> well, this has been a great start to the show. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Um, my special guest is my good friend Tina Guo, who is a artist, but also an entrepreneur and a very successful businesswoman, integrating her art with a lot of concepts in relation to business, including. Um, social media when we talk with Tina in the next segments we're going to be asking her more about how that has all worked out for her talk about a new album that she's working on that's just been pre-released and Tina why don't you give a quick plug for that
2: yes so this new album is called B.S.E. Ray that is The Day of Wrath in latin Uh, i know very very happy-go-lucky name Uh, and it's been three years in the works released on sony masterworks uh, and it's coming out in august but the album is now available uh, for pre-order in the very first single which is my version of the moonlight sonata set in space in the year 3000 Uh, so it's like a futuristic version of a very old uh classical piece uh is currently out and there's a music video on youtube
1: and that would be at tina gua T-I-N-A-G-U-O.com.
2: Uh Yes, you can go to TinaGlow.com or you can just go to YouTube and type in my name and I'm, I'm sure it'll pop up.
1: I'm sure it will pop up. So, any questions or comments, email us at infosvin.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn and we're going to be right back more with Tina.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1 888 828 7846. That's 888 828 SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Hey, insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On my show today is my special guest and really good friend, Tina Guo, who is a world renowned cellist, and I like to call her a um, metal cellist. Uh, I wanted to welcome you back, Tina. Thank you. And a question that's really on my mind, because we're going to talk about RoboGuo in a few minutes about how do you integrate artificial intelligence to your work, is what is this growing thought that AI is going to replace musicians or other artists entirely? What do you think about that?
2: Oh, man. Yes. Well, I, I think, you know, something like a sample library, which you just mentioned. Uh, so RoboGuo is the uh, nickname that I've lovingly given to my robot version, I guess, of myself. Uh, so there are currently two uh, products available uh, for download from CineSamples and myself. So it was a collaboration. And basically, it's a tool that uh, producers and other musicians can use uh, in their creative process. So perhaps my hourly fee as a session musician is um a bit on the higher side uh and perhaps it's not fiscally uh possible for someone to hire me for their project uh but you can hire or not own but yes you could have uh, by the software uh, download of the tina Guo sample library and it's not i mean of course i mean it's not exactly like the real thing but it's just close enough and in certain applications if the if the notes aren't overly complicated if there's a lot of long notes um it can sound almost indistinguishable, like almost. And there are certain patches like with pizzicato, uh, which is the technique where you're plucking the strings, something like that. It sounds, I actually think my robot sounds better than the real me. <laughs> you know, it's perfectly programmed, you know, which is impossible in real life. Um, and so that is, uh, I guess, an application where you can basically replace somebody. And that's happened a lot, uh, especially in the film music scoring industry, because just, you know, with costs being cut or just trying to obviously maximize your, your, your profit, you know, and it's, it's an unfortunate thing. I think it's a uh, pattern that's happened over time where technology uh, kind of replaces certain jobs. um, And there's always that struggle between uh, progress uh, in that way, and then how to find uh, or create new jobs for the, for the people that have been, maybe have their positions replaced. Um, I really feel that if you are an artist or a musician that has a very unique, uh, or signature voice, whatever that may be, um, then it's not possible to have you replaced. But if you, if you play in a way that is kind of robotic, um, pun intended, uh, and it's, you know, there's not, then, then it's more easy, uh, I think to be replaceable. Um, and I know that sounds very, maybe survival of the fittest, but that's, that's life, you know, and that's evolution. Um, and so back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I would say about a decade ago, um, where in the film scoring industry world, uh, soundtrack industry world, there was there's some sample libraries, but it wasn't as, uh, cr- you know, crazily predominant as it is today. Uh, there was a lot of backlash from musicians and really being anti-sample library and anti. Um, and for, for me, again, perhaps selfishly, you know, thinking of myself, um, my my immediate thought was, how do I get on the forefront of it? how do I get my own sample library? how do I um, and I, I found that you can actually I found it to be a great tool for advertising because sometimes uh there are people who buy my product and perhaps they actually hadn't heard of me before and after they buy the product they think oh i wonder if i could actually hire the real person uh so a lot of times when i work on projects i hear something i'm like wait did i already record on this it sounds like me but there's something off there's like something weird but i'm pretty sure it's me They're like oh yeah it's your robot but i wanted you to you know replace it um so it kind of has worked you know both ways and uh, I'm a big lover of uh, frugalness as well. So I totally understand, you know, wanting to, say, to save and, and being able to uh, use the sample library, I think is a wonderful tool uh, to make musicians accessible for, for people, especially if you're just starting out.
1: Thanks. And I think that is really a good description of what's happening. I think a lot of times I host this space weekly on Clubhouse on the intersection of technology, stars, or musicians and creatives. And the reason why we had a lot of entertainers come in, originally as producers and engineers, and then actual artists themselves, such as MC Hammer, just a name drop. But the whole point of that was that they were interested in how technology could influence their art, but also mm-hmm. their fear that sometimes the technology is gonna take away from them as an artist. I think you gave a really great description on what it means to be able to integrate that because we can't stop progress or technology shifts. And you made a really good point that there is this potential to displace jobs that has had been happening for um, thousands and thousands of years. I mean, one of the great examples is Guy Kawasaki, uh, former chief evangelist of Apple. When he gives a talk, he talks about ice making. So ice making 1.0, it's kind of like in the movie Frozen. You go out and you carve ice out of a lake and then you know, ice 2.0 was you're able to store that in a, in a, in a cold air barn still melting. And then ice 3.0 was the refrigerator. And so you totally missed the boat. Uh, if you did not keep up as an ice maker on these technology shifts, same thing happened with Kodak on film. They were too busy trying to protect film when digital was happening. And you know, they had all the patents on these other things. So I think in, the way that artists are always fearful about how technology is going to replace them, I think you've done a great job of embracing technology. And as you said, it amplifies your message. So when somebody hears your robot playing, like, I would actually want the real person behind that. And I think you said it best. Uh, we've talked about it off microphone many times that as much as you're one of the early adopters of this technology and RoboGuo, um, you can't replace your soul, you can't replace the actual artists themselves.
2: Yes, yes. The one thing that uh, I, I think is still makes me feel safe, that no matter how beautifully programmed, even if you have, say, four or five variations, uh, just as an example, so if people are not musicians, obviously, the transition, for example, from one note to a to another note. So the process of making a sample library is so tedious and takes so many hours because you have to record every possibility. So every, like each note, to another note in existence on the cello. So you can imagine how long that takes with different articulations. So like, boop, like little short notes, long notes, loud notes, you know, soft notes, so it takes forever. And even if you do four to five variations so that each time you press that button, it kind of is a little bit different. There's a tiny bit. So it kind of creates that, um, so, oh, is that a real person? But in the end, it's only four or five variations of, of each um, possibility that you have and in real life like i like i say i never play anything the same twice right um and you're you're moved in the moment emotionally and emotion and passion but the emotion i think the heart is the thing that cannot be captured and i think that's why for me i um i don't feel like technology is a uh, like oh my gosh it's going to replace you know um because it, it can't that's one thing that it doesn't have uh, uh, you know at least for now but um uh, yeah, so I actually, I think it's it's really exciting. And it's something coming from uh, a completely, you know, traditional classical background and not having any type of, you know, formal education, or education whatsoever uh, in the area of tech or anything outside of music. I find everything else uh, in our big, beautiful world very fascinating. So I love learning about um, just, you know, other, other things out there and other potentials.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about that more in our next segment, but before we get to the next segment, I wanted you to once again talk about your pre-release of your album and also how to find out about RoboGruel.
2: Oh, yes. So everything is on my website. It's TinaGuo.com. I have just released a new album or actually, I'm sorry, the pre-order for the new album is coming out in its entirety in August. Uh, There's 13 tracks, 13 being my favorite number. And the concept behind it is that it is set in the year 3000. So it's kind of like a futuristic, you know, uh, weird sci-fi slash classical crossover album with uh, a variety of different genres. So hopefully, you know, there's a little bit of something for everybody.
1: Great. And the name of the album again?
2: Uh, The name of the album is Dies Irae, which is The Day of Wrath in Latin.
1: All right. Well, we'll come back and talk more about the album in our next segment. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guest is Tina Guo, famed, world-renowned cellist and artist and business person. And when we get back, we'll be talking more about how she's using social media. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And we'll be right back.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1 888 828 7846. That's 888 828 SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show is my special guest and dear friend, Tina Guo, world renowned cellist, Grammy nominated, and has performed in many movies and video games, including Wonder Woman. Her latest movies are Dune, Top Gun, and she's working on the 25th anniversary of the video game Tomb Raider. We're going to be talking a lot about her entrepreneurial journey, how she's integrated her work, her life, and her art, and she is also a social media maven, so don't go away. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about the Kaseya ransomware attack, which affected over 1,500 organizations. Many companies don't even realize they have it, and it was conducted by a group we've talked about earlier called REVIL, or R-E-V-I-L, or Revel. Uh, one of the key things about the attributes of the attack is that they believe that nation-states were part of the attack because up until now, the group had not produced its own zero-day attacks. The thing to think about in terms of a cyber attack such as this, which is coordinated and broad, and really what is required is to stay on top of patching. So Kaseya, the vendor, is implementing patches. It's incumbent on you to be sure on knowing how to implement those patches. And in terms of remediation of your own environments, as many groups don't even realize that they're affected by this ransomware attack yet, is to have good backup copies. What they found, the Colonial Pipeline attack, which was done by the same group, Revell, um, was that even though they paid $4.4 million to decrypt their encrypted files, it was still faster and easier to rely on their backup copies for most of the information. The $4.4 million was spent just to be sure that they got everything. But in most cases, if you have a very good backup strategy of your data, restoring your data from backups is going to be more efficient and safer, and that's subject to whether or not the criminals are really going to decrypt your information so just always be vigilant, and that is the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my friend Tina Guo, who's a world-renowned artist. She has worked on many blockbuster movies, including Wonder Woman. Uh, currently, she just finished the movies Dune and Top Gun, and actually the 25th anniversary release of Tomb Raider, if you remember the video game, all very exciting, And early in the show, we talked about Tina's background, her backstory, and in the last segment, we talked about how she's embraced RoboGuo, her robot self, and we can talk about it in artificial intelligence terms. So welcome back, Tina. Thank you. So Tina, I want to come back to your latest album with the pre-release, Dies Irae, The Day of Wrath, set in the year 3000. How did you come up with that title?
2: Um. Actually, uh, it is um, <laughs> kind of kind of uh, sad uh, how the t- title came about. Not sad. So there, the very first piece, the concept that I had originally for this album, it was going to be heavier. Um, and so there's this Mozart requiem that I absolutely love. But being the very uneducated person I am, there, he wrote so many requiems. And I thought the one that I had in my mind was the Dies Ray. But it wasn't it was a different one okay. and by the time i figured it out i was like well i like that name anyway so it just stuck so literally there is no piece called diaz on the album um so yeah that's that's the very honest uh answer of how the album title came about um and so you know i kind of went back and forth with the label trying to figure out a sound uh and thankfully actually now that streaming is so predominant that it's very rare that people even buy Uh, albums in their entirety now you know physical albums even though we are still printing them so please order one if you'd like Um, it's it does lend the artist a lot more freedom in the fact that if you want your songs to not necessarily all be in the same style it's okay because I feel like people listen to you know one song here one song there it's again very rare that people will play an entire album Um, and so for that reason I was able to incorporate a lot of different kind of styles and just do whatever I wanted um, on these tracks. And I'm particularly excited about uh, one of the other singles that'll be released later, which features Serge Tonkin, the lead singer from System of a Down. And he and I co-wrote a song. um, And it's also, there's a word moon in it. It's called Moon Hearts in Space. And there's a music video that will be released for that later. Um, And that's actually in a space station, also in the year 3000, of course. So I'm I'm, uh, starting to edit that video uh, next week, so. Excited about that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. And as uh, we mentioned lightly earlier, you're self managed as an artist, which is also phenomenal in all the things you do already. And you also edit your own video, which uh, is amazing.
2: Well, I, I think it just, uh, thank you. I, it came from a necessity, right? You know, because when I started, I didn't know how to record myself, I didn't know how to make videos, and I couldn't afford to hire anyone. So, just now with all the free educational tools online mostly YouTube um, uh, it's it's become very effective and helpful um, and also because uh, everyone's different you know but for me <laughs> you might call it a control freak tendency but it's more of just i can when i when i create a piece of music i also see the visual so it's not like a separate thing um, so i already see it and i'm and I see exactly how I want it to look, from what angles, like how the cuts are. I want it to exactly where. And so I think it's very difficult uh, for someone else or impossible for them to be able to do that exactly. Uh, but I am learning to delegate a little bit more. Uh, so I'm working with the director of the video, my friend Victoria. She's absolutely amazing. She's also a uh, incredible photographer who took all the photos for um, this album as well and so she directed it i i told her my vision i told her what i wanted to look like she made it happen um, and then it's kind of like a um, collaborative editing process so she put in her general ideas but then i kind of like go in and then you know, nitpick everything and then put it all together. And then we do have a VFX team that we're working with uh based in the Ukraine to add in all of the uh posts and this these are the first videos I've shot in augmented reality. So the same technology that the Mandalorian and other um you know new new shows are shot on and because I've only done in camera effects, you know, where you build physical sets. Um so this is actually also, like a, I guess, a step up uh, in technology that I'm, I'm excited about that just happened to coincide with the space scenes, uh, themed album.
1: Well, I think the inspiring thing because I'm still in radio and in podcasting, so it's an audio product. As I delve more into video, even though we are recording the video for this, I think the the theme is that we're moving into the creator economy. And I think a lot of times we came out of uh, different phases in industrialization. Uh, Right now we're in SaaS, software as a service, and many things in terms of the software industry. But we're moving quickly into the creator economy where we have micro-influencers. You're certainly not a micro-influencer because you have hundreds of thousands of followers on, on YouTube and millions of fans all over the world. But the story is that somebody like you who's a trained musician able to hustle. We call it side hustles or now active hustles. You're able to incorporate all these techniques that you're learning on platforms like YouTube. That, Not that if you can do it, anybody else can do it, but if you can do it, people should be inspired to self-learn, self-educate and, and adopt tools. We were just talking about earlier how I've had to edit my own audio. Audio is not video yet. I'm actually having my daughter learn how to edit video because that's a good skill to have. But yeah, I think you're inspirational in that Artists, as we spoke about earlier in the show, they usually think that they have to choose between art or making a living. And you can actually have it all. You can integrate it into doing both so that you're not a struggling or starving artist. And I say that because I I know, you know, the story. Uh, My father, who uh, retired managing Kaiser's pension funds, he was a concertmaster, his first chair in Hong Kong Symphony because um, he was trained in China as, as a violinist, and he actively chose, I am not going to pursue my art. I'm going to pursue a profession. And that's the choices he had to make back in the 60s. So now, I mean, if he ever had a chance to meet you, he, he's no longer here, but he'd be very impressed with what you've done. So it's all very cool. Oh, thank you.
2: Thank you. And that's very impressive to be the concert master of the uh, uh, symphony. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think, um, what are some other ways you would encourage people to think about how to integrate social media into their art?
2: Um, You know, as far as like social media and just my, you, you have to, you know, I've been saying this for like over a decade, you just, you have to put yourself out there. And I think most people born, I mean, I'm turning 36 this year. So, <laughs> but like, you know, people in their twenties and younger, I think almost everyone is plugged into the mothership at all times. So that's not really an issue, but um, for some people that again, come from a more traditional background, like I do, as far as traditional classical background, um the, it's, you know, sharing what you do is not only not normal, but sometimes it's like looked down upon because like sometimes people think, oh, why are you showing off or why are you, you know, so it's, yeah. it's almost like you're, you're trying to make yourself invisible or not to create any waves. And it's um, and I think it's really important if. What you want is to be a soloist or to have your own brand um, to play in an orchestra, which is a very, very, very great uh, profession, a very respectable profession. If that's what you want, and to work in a group setting, then it's a little bit different. Um, but if you, if your goal is to create your own business, you know, your own brand, your own uh, whatever, all your products are based on you as the then it becomes different and you can't be i mean you have to really put yourself out there but i think people know that um and one thing that i tell i i don't currently i'm not taking any consultation clients just because i couldn't balance everything a little too much um but for a while i was working with some uh, mostly musicians but other creatives on how to brand themselves um and a part of it is just consistency of your messaging. So if I go to your, uh, whatever Instagram, for example, um, and I don't see any examples of your craft or your art, and you're not posting consistently. It's just, if unfortunately, if you're not sharing something, you don't, exist in, in the virtual world, right? So it's really, um, and some people like to say, oh, the internet isn't real life, but it is real life. I mean, the internet is here on earth um, and it's such a powerful tool. And for me, I, I built my career on um, Facebook, YouTube, and kind of Instagram. I, I joined a little bit later, but these are so important and so, such a huge part of, um, where you know whereas if i was just playing the cello you know concert by concert recital by recital everything else would have never happened so i think um it's just really important to again self-educate because also by the time i say something and someone listens to it it's already changed you know or or algorithms have already changed so um it, it can be a little overwhelming uh but i think you know i tell people if you approach it in the same way uh as you know, we do as musicians with practice. Like you have to practice every day. You have to devote a certain number of hours. So also set aside at least a little bit of time, an hour a day, to self-educate on some area that's related to you know to what you do. Uh, and I think it's it's good to keep growing and learning.
1: Yeah, I, I have to admit, you are perhaps the most disciplined, or one of the most disciplined, if not the most disciplined person I've ever met in terms of your work. I know your work ethic is uh to extreme to a point so i'm very impressed by that but yeah i like the message that you have to stay um consistent with your brand i think it's really important because i come out of corporate where you are supposed to kind of get lost in the organization and as you decide to become an entrepreneur or an artist developing a personal brand is extremely important and i think that is something that perhaps the younger generation like my daughter in high school they're digital natives I think for those mid-career right now, I think your messaging is super important because they're not aware of that yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I can't speak for any other, you know, uh, careers or, or but, I mean, for me, I, I know a lot about, you know, music and the music industry and especially uh, classically based musicians. But perhaps the same thing applies, you know, to other, uh, you know, other areas as well.
1: What I've discovered in the last year is how close creating art is to being a startup founder. And I will talk about that in the next segment, but it is very, very similar. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guest today is my friend, Tina Guo, who is a world-renowned artist. She's performed on stages all across the world. She has been in movies and in video games, and she's also using artificial intelligence to produce Robo Guo, which are her cello notes. Um, We've been talking about her new album, which is on pre-release. If you want to learn more information, go to TinaGuo.com, and we'll be right back with more of Tina.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host,
1: Keith Koo. insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo On today's show, my special guest and good friend is Tina Guo, who is a world-renowned artist. She has been talking today about her journey as both an artist integrating her work and her art together and being a very successful businesswoman. So thanks a lot, Tina. Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you. I'm very happy to be here.
1: So before we go on, we've actually talked about the pre-release of your new album. I wanted to make sure people knew how to get a hold of it.
2: Yes. If you go to tinaglow.com, which is my website, that is kind of the center portal that will take you to everything else. So the new album, Dies Irae, uh the music videos, my, you know, my uh, sample library products, my instrument products, if you happen to need a new acoustic cello or some bows, uh, so everything you can find on there.
1: That's great. And earlier when we talked about the name Dies Irae or Day of Wrath set in the year 3000, I think that's appropriate for this segment on the pivot because I wanted to get your take on what you think the future holds for your art, for technology, and for the industry in general.
2: Oh my goodness. Um, well, I do not claim whatsoever to, to be a fortune teller, to know what the future holds. I know uh, I'm a big believer in self-determination, of course. Um, and for, for me personally, I just want to always uh, attempt to fully self-actualize. I don't think I'll ever get there because we can always be better. Um, uh, But I want to continuously upgrade myself. So um, as far as from my own, you know, uh, path, I would love to create more music. Um, And I do so much of my work now online, you know, so I work predominantly from home, my home studio, uh, and I, you know, create and compose music, record music all from my home studio, unless I'm on tour. And that's wonderful to connect with people and energy uh in person um but you know as far as generally what the future holds i really and it's already happening as as far as the music industry um there there are more and more musicians traditional musicians who are being displaced because of the advancement in technology in sample libraries Um, you no longer need i mean if there if there is a budget that allows for it of course it's ideal to have a huge orchestra with 100 musicians Um, but unfortunately many um you know, many productions, probably partially also because they know it's possible to get a very big sound without having to hire that many people uh, because of the advancement in uh, sample library technology. So um, I, I think that people will realize that it is becoming more and more important to have a very distinct brand so that someone comes to you for what you can offer to add to their, uh, to their project. Uh, not just like, like you mentioned earlier, not just, oh, I just need a cello player, it's like, I want, you know, hopefully, you know, Tina, or I really don't want Tina on this, because she would be totally wrong. Um, you know, whether you love or hate somebody, it's good if you have an opinion about it. And I think um, the one thing that technology, AI, all of that, that I truly believe cannot be replaced anytime soon, you know, or maybe ever is again, the, the most human thing, which is emotion and passion and like this raw, carnal, visceral, animalistic uh, thing that sometimes we forget about, you know, we all we get so obsessed with this idea of oh, future thinking and, but in the end, we also have that side. Um, and that is something that is uh, impossible to to replicate, you know, uh, right now. Uh, so I think the more that we can also harness that, um, that will hopefully keep us viable, you know, as far as being an artist or a musician.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I speak to a lot of futurists, especially in artificial intelligence. They think that the day is coming. But at this point in time, one of the things that we've not argued about, we've tried, is that at this point in time, AI has not self-created. I mean, there there really isn't the definition of true art or creation. The way we think about it, technology can enhance, um, can possibly improve on existing patterns, but it doesn't create new art yet. And so as long as there's that, you still have an edge.
2: Yeah, I always say there's like, you know, there's, I mean, two minds, right? We have our intelligence, our brain. Uh, and then, my, for, <laughs> I mean, all seriousness, other mind is your, it's our genitals. I mean, it's like where all the raw, again, animalistic, carnal stuff comes from, you know, um, and those two, you, you, it's impossible to have that as a, you know, as a, as AI or as a machine. So, yeah, it's, it's the balance of the two. And if you cycle in between and find this beautiful synergy, hopefully, um, I, I think, I mean, the future is uh, limitless, right?
1: So, Tina, it's been wonderful to have you on today. I'd love to have you come back.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I would love that.
1: And before we go, I want to make sure that we know how to get a hold of your art again. So, DSE Ray is available.
2: Yes. Uh, you can go to my website, TinaGuo.com. I am at TinaGuo on every platform, uh, or you can just, you know, Google it and it'll come up. And uh, I'm also very, I'm very active on there. So if you ever want to comment on something, I do try to read every single comment, mostly on Instagram. Uh, so if you want to, you know, have any questions, comments, concerns, <laughs> you can write to me directly on there.
1: Yes. And Tina's very good about that. So, if you have any other questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at svi.biz. You can find us on most social media channels, and we will see you next week.
0: You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Ku. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888828svin